It's always nice when uh, I'm listening to prayer requests up here, and every single prayer request is about the topic of my sermon. It's a real sign that I'm actually talking about the right thing. I had an incredibly busy week, so I wasn't actually able to sit down and study the scripture and come up with a new sermon as I usually do. So I was talking with my wife. She said, you've been doing sermons for four years now. You can just rerun one. If it's three years old, that's fine with everybody. So I sat down and prayed, and I said, which one should I rerun? And God pointed me at this one, and then you guys all prayed about this one. So I thought that was very nice of you. Uh, I really appreciate it. So this goes into a bit of history and a bit of what's going on today. Obviously, everybody knows, and this is what you all prayed about, this is a time of really severe stress in our country. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of upset. And one of the things that I've talked about before, and it's in both the Haftorah portion when it's talking about Solomon, and it's, of course, all throughout Scripture, is the concept of tribes. And what's important to the concept of tribes in America is American tribes have very little to nothing to do with your genetics and your skin color. American tribes are not genetic the way that the old world Israeli tribes were. We all know people whose skin is very different than us that are the exact same tribe as we are and people whose skin is the exact same as us who are a completely different tribe. So I'm going to define the tribes in America and I'm going to use somebody else's definition because that always feels like it's more authoritative. So this is defined by a psychologist from California, a fairly liberal guy, but I think he has a good insight into them. And he calls them the red and the blue tribe. The red tribe is classically typified by conservative political beliefs, strong evangelical religious beliefs, creationism, opposing gay marriage, owning guns, eating steaks, drinking Coca-Cola, driving SUVs, watching lots of TV, enjoying American football, getting conspicuously upset about terrorists and commies, marrying early, divorcing early, shouting USA number one, and listening to country music. I won't let you guess which tribe this church mostly belongs to. The blue tribe is most classically typified by liberal political beliefs, vague agnosticism, supporting gay rights, thinking guns are barbaric, eating arugula, drinking fancy bottled water, driving Priuses, reading lots of books, being highly educated, mocking American football, feeling vaguely like they should like soccer but never really getting into it getting conspicuously upset about sexists and bigots, marrying later, constantly pointing out how much more civilized European countries are than America, and listening to everything except country. There's a joke that I saw recently that the, the two largest religions in the United States currently are Black Lives Matter and QAnon. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I assure you there's a certain amount of truth in that. Neither of them is what we would call a religious belief. But both of them rely on a view of the world and a misunderstanding of how the other tribe sees it. So one of the prayers, which I thought was very good, was talking about journalists. What, why are they standing up here and telling blatant lies like this? I don't know if you saw this week. The journalist who's going to be the moderator for the second debate, who might be the moderator for the second debate, tweeted out to another liberal, should I even respond to Trump? And then closed his account down and said, I've been hacked. Nobody believes that. 
Nobody who can rub two neurons together believes someone hacked his account in order to send one snide comment to a friend of his. But he stood up there and said it with a straight face. And that's because those different tribes have different views of what they want. And it's why there's an instinctive distrust of the elite of each tribe. And this was brought to my mind when I saw a picture of Mark Zuckerberg's baby shower. Because Mark Zuckerberg's baby shower was less well-decorated than any of mine have been. That's not a joke. It looked terrible. Nobody put any effort into this. Somebody put up baby shower on the wall in those little fold-together letters. This was the sort of thing that somebody living in a trailer park would have been embarrassed to put together. Mark Zuckerberg is worth $10 billion. There's no excuse. There's just no philosophical excuse for doing such a lousy job, right? Except that they like different things. The thing that the Blue Tribe cares about is status. Being a journalist is status. You guys are all aware that journalist is a terrible job, right? I'm talking simply as a career. It's lousy. The pay is terrible. The average journalist earns $36,000 a year. That's below the poverty line. Because most journalists are freelancers. They're not getting health care. They're not getting any benefits. We think of journalists because we think of the big prominent national journalists who are actually notable and important. And they make a pretty good amount of money, but they still don't make real money for the kind of status they have. They're making maybe $500,000, a million dollars a year, and you're like, well, I could make a million dollars a year, that wouldn't be any problem. But for the kind of circles they're running into, that's, that's poverty. They're really not rich for those circles. So why is it such a prestigious job? Why do people seek after it? Because they don't care about money. They care about status. The opposite's true in the Red Tribe. Everybody in the Red Tribe assumes that rich people want to be rich to have nicer versions of the stuff we have, right? You want to be rich so you have a gorgeous wife and a beautiful house and it's huge and you got a swimming pool and you got a private golf course and you got a helicopter. Why else would you want to be rich? This is why the Red Tribe instinctively trusts Donald Trump. Because they look at him and they say, well, that's why the man wanted to get rich. He has a gorgeous wife, beautiful kids, a skyscraper in Manhattan that he lives in the top floor of that is beautifully decorated. Well, that's obvious. It's very realistic. It's very understandable. QAnon pokes at this by saying, well, since Mark Zuckerberg is acting in a way that would be embarrassing in a trailer park, he must be doing something else with his wealth that is evil. Because otherwise it's incomprehensible to people in the Red Tribe. Zuckerberg doesn't care about money. He cares about status. That's why he goes out and starts stomping down on Facebook on people who are saying things that aren't politically acceptable. Because that gives him status. He cares about running Facebook so he can get the status of stomping his political opponents, not so that he can have a billion dollars. I realize that's hard to believe. Meanwhile, nobody in the blue tribe can believe Donald Trump really just wants people to be rich like Donald Trump and have nice cars and nice houses. That's why tax cuts doesn't resonate with the blue tribe at all. 
They can't believe Donald Trump just really wants you to have some more money. There must be something malicious underlying it. And Black Lives Matter comes out of that disconnect. That's why the Blue Tribe believes it. They believe that Donald Trump has to be secretly keeping the black man or the Latino man, or, and he's getting status for being a racist. Donald Trump doesn't care about status. Let me, let me let you in on a little secret. He cares about money. That's why he has really nice things. Mark Zuckerberg cares about status. That's why he doesn't care how nice his things are. That's why he walks around in a t-shirt and jeans and holds a lousy baby shower. Because he cares about status. And that disconnect is part of the problem in America right now. The time we're living in has been referred to by several commentators as a cold civil war. And I will suggest that that's not accurate. Americans have been spoiled by our civil war. Did you guys know that? Our civil war absolutely spoiled us. 3% of our population died and it was the most peaceful and reasonable civil war that has ever happened. Because it wasn't really a civil war. It was a war between two nations, one of which was trying to conquer the other. The borders were clean, there wasn't violent partisan warfare in cities. It was two armies that went and fought each other and the winning army said, all right, you're part of our country now. And the losing army said, fair cop, you beat us in the field, we're part of your country now. Have I described the Civil War fairly accurately? That's not a civil war. That's a war of conquest. The Confederate States of America left, and the United States of America conquered them. A civil war is what happened in Spain in 1936. If you've never read about the Spanish Civil War, I suggest it because it is the war that is brewing in the United States. And that kind of civil war is not a civil war with cleanly drawn boundaries. It's not a civil war with two armies that meet in the field and fight and one of them wins and the other says, all right, you've won, we will make peace now. It's a war in which people are dragged out of their houses and shot. It's a war in which ideology matters. Spain is not a country that needed to have this kind of division. Most of the war was fought in old Castile. Everybody there is ethnically similar. They're all Castilian. The war was fought because one side was communist and the other side was nationalist and they were going to kill each other until one of them was left. And that's why there were bloody purges. The same thing happened in the Russian Civil War. In Russia, the communists won. In Spain, the nationalists won. But they're the same thing. So why am I bringing this up? Am I bringing this up to get you all wound up, to get you all worried about this election? I'm not going to talk about the election at all. I don't know who will win. God knows I don't. I'm going to talk to you about how to talk to somebody who's not in your tribe. Because that's the prayer I heard a couple of times. How do I reach these people? And the answer is, stop talking to them like they belong to your tribe. If you go and say, you need to vote for Donald Trump because he's boosted the economy, he's cut taxes, and he's reduced regulations, they don't care. Donald Trump hurts their status. They would pay millions to get status. They don't care about the money. 
Don't get me wrong, they go out and earn money like everybody else. But they don't speak that same language. So if you're trying to save them, if you're trying to bring them to a saving knowledge of God, how do you talk to them? You talk to them as if you are speaking about a foreign person. And you speak to them in the things they care about. I saw an article about how to evangelize to the Japanese. For those of you who don't know, Japan is one of the least Christian countries in the world. Christianity has had a hard time penetrating it. And a Japanese Christian man wrote an article saying, here's how to reach my countrymen. And one of the things he said is, stop coming to us with American Christianity. Christ wasn't American. The Japanese aren't going to be American. And if you require them to become culturally American in order to become Christian, you will never succeed. You have to come to them and say, Yeshua loves the Japanese people, just like he loves the American people, because he was neither Japanese nor American. He died for your sins. Here are your sins. Here's how to be saved. The same way you reach out to the Japanese is how you reach out to someone who isn't in your tribe. Stop trying to force them to be part of your tribe, to be part of the body of Christ. How many of you have known a vegan? Somebody who doesn't eat or use meat. A few of you have known. Some vegans are really pushy. They even have weird rules. We have weird rules here, right? They have weirder rules than we do. For example, vegans don't allow you to use milk. There's no logical reason behind not using milk. No animal is harmed in the production of milk. Cows produce that naturally. If you don't milk a cow, that cow gets really uncomfortable. My uncle used to own a dairy farm, and he would say you could tell the cows mood in the morning by how quickly they lined up for the milking stalls because some cows were really needed to get milked right now. It was uncomfortable for them. So why are they against milk? Why are they against eggs? You're aware that eggs are not are literally not alive. That there's no life there. Nobody's dying. <laughs> eggs are a natural production of chickens. You don't need a rooster. They just lay them. There's no f death there. I can understand leather, but there are things that are vegan that don't even have animal products. They, they list vegan lipstick. Most lipstick is not made with animal products. So understand, that's an example of being really foreign. If you're preaching to a vegan, the first thing that you lead with is probably not preaching to them to come eat with us at Sukkot. I'm dead serious. It is important to reach people where they are, and it's important to understand their culture. Reaching out to them has to be about their values. Speak to them about Yeshua taking on the lowliest position in society. That's a sacrifice somebody in the Blue Tribe can understand. That's a sacrifice that makes sense to them. He became as the lowest. He washed the feet of the poor. Losing status makes sense as a sacrifice. Giving up money doesn't. They'll do that. Don't talk to them about it. Learn what matters to them and learn how to speak to it. 
Don't talk about freedom. Talk about equality. They care about equality, whether or not they practice it. Talk to them about it. Point out the fact that Christian societies are the ones that create and maintain equality of all races. Because Christ doesn't care what color your skin is. He loves you equally. Those things matter to them. That's how you've got to reach them. Make it clear, and this is the most important thing when you're talking to one of them. Make it clear that it's about salvation and not politics. One of the things that I want you to go back and note is that I never used the term Republican and Democrat. There are a lot of blue tribe Republicans, people who care about status. They're the ones who are holding their nose and voting for Trump because, boy, he hurts their status. They're the people who populate Washington Republicans' offices, the people who are supporting Mitch McConnell and Bob Dole and all of these people across the Republican Party. There are plenty of red tribe Democrats. For, for those of you who don't hang out much with black and Latinos, they're pretty red tribe. I don't know if you know, but uh, they really are. And they vote Democrat. This isn't about a political party. It's about a cultural divide in America. Reach across the cultural divide to speak to them in their culture. Instead of saying, hey, you need to come listen to something really loudly red tribe. If you invite them over and start playing God in America country music, you're going to turn them off. They're going to walk away without listening. One of the people who's doing the most impressive evangelism I'm seeing right now in America is Kanye West. Does everybody know who Kanye West is? He's a rapper. And... God got a hold of him about a year and a half back, and he has been going out and preaching. He put out a CD called Jesus is Lord. It's a rap CD. I don't like rap at all. But you know what? For some reason, the blue tribe likes rap. So tell them, hey, you're somebody you can listen to in your music that's preaching the gospel. Because that's what matters at the end. I don't know what's going to be the outcome for America culturally. Everything humans build falls eventually. Hope it isn't in my lifetime, but it might be. But I know that the eternal thing that matters is saving people, whatever tribe they're in. So reach out to them in their words, in their culture. Don't try to change their culture to save them. Try to save them and let them change their culture. Et ta chama.